It's another beautiful day in the digital neighborhood. Welcome, friends, to the Dunker Punks Podcast. podcast we're really glad to have you here today's podcast theme is all about service and the challenges that can arise during service um, especially service in a community that that's experiencing some turbulence speaking to us today is emmy goering she's going to talk a little bit about her experience in brethren volunteer service uh, serving for the Office of Public Witness, now the Office of Peacebuilding and Policy uh, here in Washington, D.C. You can find out more about the Office of Peacebuilding and Policy um, on their website, brethren.org slash peace. Um, we'd also appreciate any comments, questions, or discussions that you'd like to have with us on social media. You can check us out, hit us up on Twitter, Snapchat, and Facebook at DunkerPunksPod or um, via email at dpp at arlingtoncob.org. I'm really interested to hear what Amy has to say about her time doing long-term volunteer service um, with Brethren Volunteer Service, as I'm sure you are. So we'll cut right to it. But as you listen, I'd hope that you'd think about how you relate to Emmy and some of the struggles that she went through whenever maybe in your lives you're doing volunteer service for your community or if you've also done things like Brethren Volunteer Service or other long-term uh, service projects. So take it away, Emmy. Brethren 
has shaped so much of who I am. One of the biggest examples being my decision to join Brethren Volunteer Service. As I'm sure listeners know, BVS is a full-time volunteer program that places volunteers in a variety of one- or two-year-long assignments in the U.S. and some locations around the world. I decided to spend my year in BVS between high school graduation and my first year of college. I hope, and this did come to be true, that this time away would help me discern my life's calling. I learned a lot about myself in those first few weeks of BBS orientation, and after reviewing the many project options available, I felt that one project in particular, the Church of the Brethren Office of Public Witness, would be the best fit for me due to my strong passion for social justice. To save time, I'll refer to this office as OPW. So, my position as the Peace Building and Policy Associate with OPW was intended for someone with a college degree, most likely in political science. And I, being fresh out of public high school, had only one year of AP U.S. government under my belt. Uh, needless to say, I had very little understanding of the politics and people in Washington, D.C. Uh, Nathan Hoffler, the director of Office of Public Witness, trusted my passion anyway and offered me the position. I spent August 2016 through August 2017 in Washington, D.C. During my BBS year, I lived on Capitol Hill with a full house of seven other volunteers, many of them which were from Germany. From this experience, my Deutsch is better, my German is better, and I grew to value community living. My job at OPW was complicated. Why don't I explain by sharing the office's slogan? The Church of the Brethren, Office of Public Witness, seeks to live the peace of Jesus publicly by educating on issues of peace and theology, advocating on Capitol Hill, organizing the Church of the Brethren members and congregations to take action on issues of concern for the denomination. And remember, I only had a high school diploma going into this position. I don't want to make my specific service position in D.C. the focus of my time. Instead, I want to share my observations about the challenges of service, and more specifically, the challenges of service in community during turbulent times. I'm in no way a theologian, but I'd like to reflect on 2 Corinthians 4, verses 8 through 12. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over the death of Jesus' sake, so that the life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. During my year of service, I suffered hardships. Moving halfway across the country, away from the only family support I've ever known, was hard. BBS did a fantastic job of making sure that transition was smooth as possible, but I still struggled. One thing I take away from the, from the Bible passage is that hardships have purpose. You may not realize it at the time, but hardships act as a fertilizer. They beget growth. Hardships harvest change. Most people are naturally resistant to change, but growth that comes from this change, born of hardships and challenges, is necessary for survival. 
Our nation has experienced hardship throughout history, and although our country's cohesion has wavered, overall we have pulled together and grown stronger. But as Bob Dylan sang in 1964, the times, they are changing. Our country has become polarized. In fact, uh, Pew Research Center recently conducted the largest political study in its history on the issue of polarization, which they call the defining feature of the early 21st century American politics, both among the public and elected officials, end quote. The year-long study found that Republicans and Democrats are further apart ideologically than they have been in any recent point in history. The growing number of Republicans and Democrats express highly negative views of the opposing party. And to a considerable degree, polarization is reflected in the personal lives and lifestyles of those both on the right and left. In fact, the partisanship is much more divided than just right versus left, the conservative versus the liberals. Scholars Ronald Englehart and Pippa Norris have argued that in the past few decades, people began to define themselves politically less by traditional economic issues than by identity. Gender, race, ethnicity, sexual orientation. Many psychologists also add the social class is yet another issue in the ever-widening chasm of separation in, among Americans. The echoes of our intensely divided political climate resonate all the way down to our core of the small communities. As identity groups become even more united on both ends of the polarized spectrum, the previously strong we of our nation, our neighborhoods, dissolves into a dangerously divisive us versus them mentality. These changes aren't a positive result of growth through challenges, as referenced in 2 Corinthians. Instead, I think it comes from a place of fear. One thing I learned from my time in D.C. is that working in human rights field is hard. The OPW is just one of the many offices and organizations that fight to surpass roadblocks to human rights with calls to action for efforts like, like immigration reform. Our efforts were consistently being struck down by executive orders, but the story is not all doom and doom. Victories seemed few and far between, but the fights continued. I found the passion and dedication of the people working for justice simply inspiring. I saw the people working hard in their offices all day on these issues, and then coming out to prayer vigils and on, for those same issues in the evenings on their own. People from all backgrounds, political views, walks of life, people united for good. Despite the propaganda, the hate speech, the fear running rampant on social media, people joined together peacefully. People joined in peaceful unity as a community. And the resistance continued. One such example of positive demonstration with an impact was the Women's March. Millions of people all over the world join together in support of equality of all people, all races, all genders, all geographical backgrounds, socioeconomic statuses, and sexual orientations. I was able to attend the 2017 Women's March in Washington, D.C. I stood for 10 hours in a crowd of about 500,000 people, and I never felt more empowered, not just as a young woman, but as a member of our global community. 
The Women's March was much more than just a, a march for women. The Women's March didn't just bring people together. It allowed individuals to advocate en masse for stronger human rights legislation. The Women's March affected more than just the people who attended. It urged countless numbers of people to go out and make a difference in their communities. It was a march for unity in community. The need for positive action such as this, beyond our neighborhoods, is paramount. It seems that stories of shooters killing upwards of 20, 30 people have become regular news and not just in big cities. My heart aches for all those who have lost their lives or loved ones in this violence. But we need more than just thoughts and prayers to deal with this plague of violence. We need action. We need to be willing to unite as concerned citizens, as mothers and fathers and sisters and brothers and neighbors across the nation who are willing to take action to save our communities and each other from this epidemic of violence. In addition to directly advocating for social justice, one of my tasks while working at OPW was to help plan last year's Christian Citizenship Seminar. For those of you who don't know, high school youth from COBs all over the U.S. travel to New York to learn about certain social justice topics from brethren leaders as well as experts in their field that they're studying. Before their time in New York ends, you hear firsthand from those who have experienced the effects of social justice issues. These stories of suffering and compassion, longing and loss, do more than just tug at students' heartstrings. They mobilize them into advocates. For the last two days of CCS, youth take to Capitol Hill to speak to their representative about the issue. When I attended CCS as a high school junior, it really powered my passion for social justice. So to play a role in planning CCS 2017 was both exciting and meaningful. One of the youth who attended CCS wasn't brethren, but came instead of from an evangelical background. The feedback she gave up on her wrap-up was mostly positive, saying how much she really loved the week. One of her comments, however, gave me a pause. She said she was a little confused. Why didn't we talk more about why we serve instead of how we can serve, or even just jumping into serving. As I pondered that question, I felt a sense of relief. She affirmed for me what I hoped our church as a whole always was, a church that makes points to get out of the pews and act instead of just talking about it. Working at the Office of Public Witness was awesome experience for me for many reasons. But one thing I really appreciated was seeing the larger picture. Looking at service from the OPW level, I was amazed at all the offices and organizations that do so much to make all this happen. From the individual congregations and districts to denominational level, our outreach in D.C. and beyond, all of these parts have to work together, and they do. Yes, it's important to remember the why behind these serves, but actually taking action Living out our passion with calm clarity in times of chaos, that's, our, that's the mission I can get behind. Throughout the Bible, Christ calls us to serve, as found in 2 Corinthians 4, 5-7. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let the light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts, 
to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. One thing I noticed, though, is that doing service right is also hard. The difference between helping someone and serving someone might seem slight, but it's important to name that difference. Helping others can sometimes slip into seeing the others, the someone you're helping, as people who are helpless. Serving, however, is working in community for, for the greater good. Serving is letting God's light shine through us, not because we are more capable of those we serve. We are all in need of something. So to assume that another's person's need defines or even surpasses their authentic self is dangerous, toxic even. We are all more than our current circumstances. We are all more than just our present needs. So someone who is homeless is not just a homeless person. They are a person first and foremost. I realize I sound preachy, but I've seen examples of the good intentions gone bad. As some of you may know, the Office of Public Witness is housed in the Washington City Church of the Brethren. The basement of the church is a soup kitchen, the Brethren Nutrition Program. When I worked at OPW, I would eat lunch in the kitchen, in part because it was convenient and cheap, but also to meet people and form relationships with others who ate there. Most of the clients enjoy to visit as much as I do, and during, and it was during one of those conversations that I was hit hard with some hard truths about helping versus serving. Most of the guests frequented several soup kitchens throughout the week, as hours and availability often varied. Procedures and conditions also varied widely. One afternoon, a guest shared with me that some of the soup kitchens in D.C. assumed that swapping food on a plate for people who were hungry was good enough. In fact, at another kitchen, one of the volunteers who was actually serving food with one hand and holding her frou-frou dog in another. I'm sorry, but a food safety code what? When he asked if he could serve himself, explaining that he didn't feel comfortable with a live animal over his food, she declined. It didn't work that way. She was a volunteer and he was a client, nothing more. The takeaway for me was that the woman thought providing food itself to the needy should be good enough. The quality didn't matter. The people they were serving and the manner in which they were being served didn't matter. The volunteers were helping, so the helpless should be grateful, right? What message does that send to those who are hungry? I guess this woman only served people, served people the food she thought they were worthy of, without consideration of their dignity. Guests at the Brother Nutrition Program often asked if they could help clean up. This is so important to acknowledge because it creates community that is crucial to the idea of service. We're all in need of something. In the case of the soup kitchen, it's volunteers. And for those who come to the kitchen, it might be food. But both parties may be in need, more in need of relationship, a sense of belonging, of compassion, of community. We might both be the server and the one being served. True acts of service are not one-sided.
One of the most powerful experiences during my year in DVS was simple. I was walking around my neighborhood one afternoon with a friend when a man stopped us. He explained that he was a veteran who was injured and sent home. He was struggling with money. He mentioned God's grace a few times while speaking with us. I didn't have any money to give, so instead I offered to pray with him. The three of us strangers, until just a few minutes before, stood hand in hand praying with each other on the street corner. After our prayer, he thanked us, saying how meaningful that connection was for him. Honestly, though, I think I probably got so much more out of it than he did. There was something incredibly humbling about stopping for a moment in time to pray with a stranger. In that moment, we were just there for each other, together in prayer. So many see our nation as so divided, so hate-fueled, so hopeless. So, Dr. Punks, I want you to think of this. To quote again from 2 Corinthians, We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. But to me, the hardships that we are facing together are exactly the reason why our actions now are so crucial. This issue is larger than perception, than us versus them. We are facing hardships, challenges, and struggles, which we can lead to positive change. We need to act with lucidity, a clarity of mind, while demonstrating our passion through service, and unity for community. Emmy makes a really good point that service isn't easy, but it's an important part of our lives. It reminds me that so many brethren have history with or are drawn to long-term volunteer service. The Church of the Brethren's annual conference is coming up, and one activity that's either really obnoxious or really fun, depending on who you are and your perspective, that we do at annual conference is to play the Brethren game. Basically, the Brethren game is when you see someone, you either recognize their name on their name badge or their face, but can't quite place them. And so you ask a series of questions um, to see who they're related to uh, or who you're related to. And a lot of times you'll either come up with some friend that you've met before or family member or find out that you're actually distant cousins or something like that. But I have a little bit of a different Brethren game that I'd like you to take a second to think about and play with in your own mind or maybe at church next week, is to think about how many degrees of separation are between you and someone who has participated in long-term volunteer service, whether it's for a work camp or, or for a year in the States or multiple years abroad or just a lifetime of jumping around to service project to service project. So how many degrees of separation are between you and someone who's volunteered? Have you served? Are there zero degrees? Do you know somebody who's served? Do you know somebody who knows somebody who's served? I think, at least for me, just thinking about that is a humbling thought, just the amount of people that come to mind immediately, much less after I've sat down and giving it a good minute to think. And then once you get that mental image of just the amount of people who 
are giving up part of their lives to help communities and help other people. Think about how challenging it is just in Emmy's story, but much less in each of their stories and in such a variety of situations. It's a very powerful image in my mind, and I imagine it will be for you too after you've taken a second to play our new Brethren game. Emmy really gets at the essence of why we find service important, why we find volunteering our time and our energy, our physical and spiritual support, why we find all that important. Hardships harvest change. Let's close out today with the rest of the Second Corinthians passage. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. Dunkerpunks podcast is produced by a team of contributors from around the United States committed to lives of service. Today's content was provided by Emmy Goring. My name is Jacob Krause. I hosted, edited, and did the music for today's podcast. Our executive producer is Suzanne Lay. If you'd like to get involved, donate, or make a comment to us, um, send us an email at dpp at arlingtoncob.org. We're on social media, Twitter, Snapchat, Facebook, at Dunkerpunks Pod. Uh, if you'd like more information on the Brethren Office of Peacebuilding and Policy, check them out at brethren.org peace. Once again, thanks for listening, and peace to you, Dunkerpunks. Punks.